everybody, I'm Peter, and I've been known to make good use of a lightsaber. He's Mike, and he's about to let everybody in on a little secret. Mm -hmm. Together, we're Rebels Rebels, the podcast where we explore the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode-by-episode deep dive of the animated series, Star Wars Rebels. This is part two of the pilot episode, Spark of the Rebellion. Mm -hmm. If you haven't listened to part one yet... Please go back and listen to that. This will make a whole lot more sense. (laughs) One exciting note, we wanted to try to do something different on these pilot episodes by doing them ourselves. Um, But we decided to call in some backup for the rest of the season because we are boring ourselves already. Totally. This this two's company. Two's company. Uh, uh, We are not ready to announce the full list yet, but look forward to some comedians Cosplayers, bloggers, astronauts, nope, podcasters, yep. costumers, ghostbusters, writers, nope, and other great friends, police officers, more likely, still no, <laughs> and other great friends from the Star Wars universe. And they're going to come on here and share their thoughts on each episode. Yeah, I'm stoked. We've already started booking guests, they're going to show up on the next My mom, couple episodes. Peter's mom. Yeah. Just like a bevy of moms, which is a gamut of moms on the podcast. With a sprinkling of grandmothers. <laughs> okay. Uh, so for updates, to see that guest list, see who's coming up on other episodes, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Or you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter by searching Rebels Rebels Pod, all one word. You can also email the show at rebelsrebelspod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Cool, you ready, Mike? I've never been more ready for anything in my entire life. (sighs) Season 1, Episode 1, Spark of the Rebellion, Part 2. Ezra Bridger encounters the ghost crew and joins them on a mission to free Wookiees from an Imperial Star Destroyer. Yep, so remind me where we left off. Let me tell you. Where we left off was the ghost was just leaving Tarkintown, mm-hmm. taking Ezra with them to find an Imperial transport ship that is transporting illegally Wookiee slaves. And some would say immorally. Some would say. I don't I, know if you I would. don't say. Oh, yeah, okay. I could see it in your eyes. So there's an opening shot. And it's weird that they keep doing this. Yeah, because on my edition, the yeah, right one. The Blu-ray. The Blu-rays. Which, which is wrong. But they look so good. Mm-hmm. Um, the first shot you see, it's like three seconds of the Star Destroyer, the Lawbringer. Yep. And you see the ghost uh, kind of hovering up into it. Yeah. And in my edition, which is the right one, mm-hmm. the one that was on TV, mm-hmm. you don't see the shot. It's like three seconds. I don't know why they would put it in the Blu-ray, but not on TV. Context. Yeah. Weird. But so we see... Uh, the ghost coming up and it's attached to a Gazanti class cruiser. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a new ship, um, but I did some research and you see one actually taking off in the background of Moss Eisley before the pod race in the Phantom Menace. Or wait, no, that's not Moss Eisley. It's a uh, no Moss Espen. Moss Espa. Moss Espa. Did I make that up? Is Moss Espa a place? I don't know. You see it in Tatooine before the pod race. So a little history. uh, They were first released 
10 years before the Clone Wars, and then, like, they were used by a bunch of different factions. They were, they were pretty popular, notably a lot of spice miners and gangsters used them. But after the Imperials came to power, they converted them into troop transport. So hmm. we'll see this throughout the series. It's kind of cool. They attach, like, yeah. like, things underneath them. So you'll see, like, in this one, it can either hold four TIE fighters. Yeah. Or two ADDP walkers. Mm-hmm. Or two... ATAT walkers, mm-hmm. or you can mix and match. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sounds like Kenner's behind this one. Yeah, yeah. So probably a bunch of different configurations so they could sell some toys. Yeah, I mean, I'd buy it. Actually, I read. I literally read that that it was just something that they put in the background of. <laughs> is what some- is it? R two. <laughs> that was my. I've been outed as a nerd through my text messages. Oh my gosh! Silence your phone. <laughs> So they put it in the Clone War or in uh, Phantom Menace just to, as background, and mm-hmm. then they George Lucas purposely added it into the Clone Wars in a bunch of places so that they can make toys of it. That's great. I yeah. love that. Um, I actually am going to have to share this on our Facebook, but I would make movies when I was a kid, <sighs> stop animation films, and they were always about Star Wars. That's so sick. And I recently found some of them. Oh my Because I was the kid who would buy all the toys. Like I have a video. Where my grandmother is Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making this up. And like, and then there's a lot of weird shots, like POV from the Millennium Falcon of me just flying around in my backyard, and then oh stop gosh. motion of stormtroopers chasing each other. I know your grandma, and that is such a great visual. I will rip that DVD. All right, follow I, follow us on Facebook. By the time you hear this, this will be posted on Facebook. Oh my gosh, this is so great. Yeah, because I would buy this. I'm that kind of person. Yeah. So in the middle of the rescue, let's keep moving, the comms mm. become jammed. And I can't help but think about space balls every time I hear something's been jammed. Sir, the radar, sir, it appears to be jammed. Jammed. Raspberry. There's only one man who would dare give me the raspberry. Lone Star. Were you big space balls? Oh yeah, that was like the movie. My parents. We had a TV in our van when I was a kid. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, we had that van for a really long time. What karate movie would we always watch in that van? Story of Riccio. <sighs> it was really inappropriate. Yeah. But speaking of inappropriate, that was the movie my parents would get put on the van to shut us up hmm. when I was young. Did and you see sp- I was the oldest of my kids, so it was, I was young, my brother was younger, and my sister was youngest. And looking back on it, we were should not have been watching that movie on, at the ages we were. Did you see Star Wars with Spaceballs first? Be honest. Because it's okay. We're... I'm going to say Star Wars, okay, but I really don't remember. It genuinely might have been Spaceballs. I don't remember either because I, I was born just after Return of the Jedi came out. Yeah. And I'm a little younger, so... I don't know what I saw first. I was... It was a while since Jedi was out of theaters. I know that the first Star Wars movie I saw was Return of the Jedi, hmm. and it was... My dad recorded it on a VHS tape off of the TV, <laughs> and we would watch that with, like, the commercials and everything. Yeah, that sounds about right. I had a lot of movies like that. Yeah. That was my first Star Wars experience. I love that. Yeah. 
All right, well, let's move on. Spaceballs. The comms are being jammed. Uh, and then... It's a trap. Star Destroyer comes out of hyperspace. It is definitely a, cha- a trap. And this is Callus's Star Destroyer. We already named it. The Star Destroyer is called the Lawbringer. Yeah. Which um, is about the most boring of all the names. Eh, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, tough, I guess. I like it. The Lawbringer. Well, it's like Vader's was called... Um, First he was on the Devastator The Devastator Then and he was then on the The Inquisitor No it wasn't exec- the Inquisitor Executor yeah. Execusizer yeah. That's a weird name You, th- I thought it was the Executioner for so long no. And I thought that was so dope No it's just an administrative Yeah but it's like Executor That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where you go to get your the wills done <laughs> Yeah so okay the Lawbringer That's pretty yep. cool um, So I thought this was kind of interesting There's a young adult book called the rebellion begins and it's kind of a novelization of this episode but they add in like some stuff before and one of the things they add in is that callus wasn't the original captain or wasn't in charge of lawbringer um it was someone who hmm. excuse me this is gonna be a running theme i'm terrible at pronouncing names oh, me too so thank this is god bad for a star wars podcast but the captain of lawbringer his name is Harem Zatayer. And um, he's a loyal imperial, but he had a son that was critical of the empire, and Callus found that out, so he held that over Zatayer's head and kind of stole Lawbringer from him. So Zatayer is still the captain of Lawbringer, he, but Callus is the one who gives all the orders. Um, and so Lawbringer used to be just hovering outside of orbit of Lothal, but... Callus didn't think that that was intimidating enough, so he orders him to bring it into orbit and hover over Capital City. Huh. And that's the very first shot of the series. Yeah, yeah. You see Ezra, the, the Star Destroyer, coming into orbit. Oh, interesting. Yeah, isn't that weird? And that's all in that book. Yeah. Hmm. The Rebellion Begins. Mm-hmm. I might have to check that out because I just finished. <laughs> Like I mentioned last episode, that yeah. uh, I just finished Star Wars: A New Dawn, Sick. the book about Hera, and um, yeah, I'll talk about more about that later. Cool. Uh, but yeah, so Ezra is then convinced by Hera to board the transport to warn Kanan, Zeb, Sabine, and Chopper, and he has that weird line. Like you, you had kind of mentioned that you love the uh, the way their yeah, eyes look. Yeah, this is this, this is one place we can really notice it. When you're trying to animate anything or draw or make a sculpture, a lot of people say, like, the key to it is the eyes. Like, if you can get lifelike eyes, then it really the makes things. The soul. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And they do such a good job on it. It's subtle, but if you look at just, like, Ezra's thought process, you can see exactly what he's thinking on his eyes. And the eyes are always darting around, and it's they're really expressionful, if that's a word. Uh-uh. Um I really love it. And the other thing expressive. that they do, expressive, full. Expressive, and the other just thing, expressive. <laughs> the other thing I, that they do, which is really cool. Wait, go back and say it right. Uh, expressive. Okay, so this is going to take forever, so let's just keep moving. Okay. Uh, so the other thing they do that I think is really cool is everyone has really interesting eye color. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of like teals and bright blues and greens and purples. Who has purple eyes? I don't know, but it's dope. Sabine probably has purple eyes. I'm just guessing. Probably it. I think so. There's even characters who have brown eyes. I think like uh, Kanan has brown eyes, but it's like no, just for his some are like, reason. These are like green. These are like oh, weirdly yeah. green. But notice the brown eyes too. For some reason, like brown so boring, but they it's, find but a way to make them pop. But it's so beautiful. It's like a milky this espresso. Show. It's like a milky yeah. espresso. So check out the eyes. Hmm. It's great in this show. 
Kudos. Yeah. Check out the eyes, people. <laughs> um, so when Ezra is convinced by Hera, he has that weird line yeah. where he goes, and at first it kind of confused me. He's like, oh, believe me, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go in and, like, save my friends. Mm. That's why I can't believe I'm doing this. And then he, like, runs to go yeah. warn them. We should run now while... You don't mean that. I do. I swear I do. Which is why I can't believe I'm doing this. I can. And at first that line threw me off a little bit. Because I'm going to be honest, that's some pretty deep introspection. Yeah, I go back and forth because at first I was like, that's stupid. Super cheesy. But then the more I think about it, there's some stuff there. Well, he's got some really honed self-reflection skills for a... Or 15 year old was the force pulling him. He doesn't know why he's doing it. He's doing it because the force is. Oh, I like that. Oh, Oh, I like that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought about that right now. Unpack that a little bit. Unpack that. I literally just thought of it right now. So I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if he's literally saying, Mm -hmm. like, there's no chance in hell I would ever do this. I don't want to do this. That's rich. But the hand of the force is pulling him. That's critical analysis. Oh, thanks. I've I been like known that. to be critical. Yeah. Your hat looks dope. <laughs> Dog. <laughs> you know I'm self-conscious. <laughs> All right. So Ezra runs aboard the transport, transport 651, by the way, mm. to warn them that it's a trap. And there are storm. He, like, runs into the hallway where Zeb and Kanan are. And they're like. Zeb and Kane are having this conversation. We're like, man, this is going so well. Yeah, and they're like loading bombs on the door. And they're like, this is so easy. Yeah. And Ezra runs in and warns them, it's a trap. And they back away from the door. And the and Ezra like shoots his stupid slingshot yeah. at the at the door, and it explodes. Yeah. Well, the it cuts. They're loading bombs onto the door, and then it cuts to this really tight space where all these stormtroopers are crammed in like <laughs> sardines. Know. And ironically, like if Ezra didn't say anything, they would have just blown up that door and blown up all those stormtroopers. But instead, <laughs> he warns them, and they're like, "Oh, okay." And then the stormtroopers come out and start shooting them. I just wonder if the stormtroopers are like, when they're waiting, are they are they allowed to have? Con- I mean, they're not allowed <laughs> to have conversations in there. But there's like twenty stormtroopers packed into a closet. I wonder if they're just like. Giggling like they're about to surprise someone <laughs> on their birthday. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be so good. It's like when you're at a sleepover and you can't sleep, so you're just like giggling. It's like, oh my gosh, TK four two seven. Like, like, Stavi, you're so funny. Yeah. I mean, because I can't imagine we're gonna they're gonna get in trouble. Because I can't imagine they're con- or are they like pumping each other up? Like, come on, come on, do, we're gonna do it. <laughs> come on, Timmy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So, so they escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they don't really. They. Him warning them was all for naught. It yeah, seems so like. you hinted at it before, but I heard you got opinions about the slingshot. I just don't like it. I just, I don't. It's it's just it varies in what it's able to do. Yeah. At some sometimes it just like it seems like it just annoys people when it hits them, and then like as we'll see at the end of this episode, then it like completely paralyzes a stormtrooper. It just, yeah, and, well, I guess, and I guess you could use it to varying degrees, like how hard you pull this well, slingshot. Yeah, but it just seems like such a, like, how do we make it seem like he's a kid? Like, give him a slingshot and some overalls. Yeah, that's my objection to it, is it just seems very transparent. And I'm glad that they ditched it. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, even like the gun lightsaber thing is a little cheesy later on, but I mean, you know, I'll live with that over, (laughs) over a slingshot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so so they, they get out of there. Um, and then Sabine to help them out, Sabine and Chopper turns off the gravity. Yep. And this is a weird trick that she pulls to what effect I don't know like they're able to escape but it seems like they would have been able to escape just as well if the gravity was on perhaps even better yeah because everyone who's like in this little coral they're all managing okay without the gravity off Mm -hmm. it seems and thematically I get why they don't do this but I mean they would also have just been fine if Kanan would have just like force pushed them all yeah I mean he hasn't revealed himself yet but it's like Come on. Force run, force push, yeah. force chop. Like, get to it, friend. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Kanan pulls out his blaster, and you notice that it sounded very Han Solo-esque. Yeah, it kind of looks like Han Solo's blaster, too, but it's got, like, a really cool... Like, it's a very distinct Han Solo sound, and, it, like, it looks like a different model of whoever made the Han Solo blaster. I wonder if it's yeah, manufactured. Yeah, DL-44, because yeah. that's one of my favorite guns mm-hmm. in Star Wars Battlefront. Um, I noticed like Ezra does a swimming motion in zero, <laughs> zero G, which would not work at all. But for some reason that helps him go faster. Yeah. Well, yeah. The science doesn't add up there. You know what it is? Force. The force. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I knew you were going to say that. I think the, the force. force. <laughs> so, um, they're running down a hallway. The gravity's back on now and they're running and Zeb just like kind of grabs Ezra and like pushes him just to like be like get out of the way kid and just because he's kind of a jerk very Darwinian Um, I didn't notice that in the beginning like when I first watched this episode I just thought that he got caught but it was totally Zeb's fault yeah and he's a jerk yeah he's a major jerk sorry kid you did good yeah that's what he says when the door is closed okay put in the clip from the show where he says that right here Okay, I'm just assuming you did it. Let's move forward. Um, now we're aboard the ghost. I'm not going to do it. Uh, you're not going to do that? <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, you have all the power. Sorry, kid. You did good. Um, so they're back aboard the ghost. Um, there's a shot that's on the Blu-ray that's not on the TV versions where you see Zeb, like, kind of... S- Fall back against the wall yeah, and kind again, of release really and, and exhale. Like it's like two oh, seconds. Oh man! So you're really missing out on some and key that, character and development. Yeah, well, it really is a, a key character development because you see for the first time how weird his feet are, and they remind me of whatever that weird polywog frog thing is from Gullagul Island. What's yeah. that big thing called? I have no idea it's, what you're talking it's about. It's something like Binks or Jar Jar Binks sounding. <laughs> I have. I don't even know what these words are you're saying. <laughs> we'll just go with it. Okay. He has frog-like weird feet. Yeah. And you notice that in that scene. That's I did not notice there. that. So they uh, they go into the cockpit of the ghost, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, they uh, you know that went well. Um, and they say, where is Ezra? Yep. And we find out that Zeb gave him a death sentence, pretty much. Pretty much. Hera scolds him using his full name, mm-hmm. which means she is not messing around. She's the mom. Kara Zeb Aurelios? 
Yeah. I love that moment. That is not, that like is they're nice. all, they all like they're I love that they're all scared of Hera. Yeah. Well, G, well, it's her ship. Yeah. So it makes sense. She's the captain. Yeah, it's great. Um so then they have to hold a vote to see if they feel like they should go back and rescue Ezra. This yeah. is an interesting moment too. this like little vote because there's. So let's break it down. So Hera yeah. and Chopper say yes. Which, by the way, how do we know Chopper is because Zeb has to ask, what did he say? Like, what did he say? Yeah. And Hera could have just been lying. He could have been like, rah, 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 rah. no, let's not go back for him. And Chopper, Hera's like, yeah. oh, she, he agrees with me. Chopper could be a total D bag. Yeah. I mean, he proves out that he kind of is, but it's that's what I'm wondering. Why would Chopper want to go back for Ezra? He doesn't care. I was learning to love. <laughs> so Hera and Chopper say yes. Sabine and Zeb say no. And Kanan is the tiebreaker. What do you think he's going to say? I think he says, let that kid rot. No, it's not what he says. He says, let's go get him. Mm. How heroic. Um, I love that Chopper gets a vote. I think that is very progressive of them. Yeah. You know, because droids can't do a lot in this world. Also nice that it's a democracy. Yes. It's very nice. So what happens when they bring Ezra on and now it's six people and there's a tie? Then Chopper's not going to get a vote. <laughs> He's going to go back to second class citizen. That seems very unprogressive. That, that right there is voter restriction. Mm-hmm. And I do not approve of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I just want that on the record. Mm -hmm. So the next thing, we're back on the Lawbringer. Yeah. Uh, There's a cool detail where when you look at this long shot, just very subtly, you see that it's still smoking underneath from the bomb that uh, they blew up to get out of there. Which was funny because they like congratulated Sabine on that. She's like, how did it look? And and Kanan is like. Beautiful as ever. Like, you did yeah. a, a great job. And I think that's so funny that they're uh, once again celebrating murder. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you just killed so many people. How did it look? How many people do you think I killed? How many families do you think I destroyed? Oh, it has a weird, brilliant red color. The that other weird thing is, like, I mean, they didn't know Ezra wasn't on yeah. Ghosts. So, like, how did it? They didn't. I mean, they easily could have just blown Ezra up. Luckily, they got off of. The yeah. transport and went on to the Star Destroyer by the time they blew it up. But <laughs> that that's would, a very small window. That, that would have been great <laughs> if that was the end of Ezra and like Star Wars Rebels like did what that show Lost wanted to do. Like, you know how yeah. Lost wanted to like, we're going to do a crazy show where we kill the main character like on the first episode, like yeah. Jack's going to die. And then they didn't end up doing it. Uh-huh. So what if Rebels did that? that like sick. we're going to kill the main character on the first episode. Yeah. They blow him up, and like you just see like his severed hand floating through space, like it's Luke Skywalker falling <laughs> out of Cloud City. <laughs> I guess at this point in the show, I wouldn't be bummed because I'm not right now a huge fan of Ezra. He yeah. is just like he deserved to die with that stupid mm-hmm. slingshot. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so we're on Lawbringer. Um, Ezra has been put into jail mm-hmm. detention. Yep, and he's um, being questioned by Agent Callus. I like that these detention uh, rooms look exactly like yeah. they do in A New Hope. Like it looks like Leia's cell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the detail. They really, really tried to keep to the original movie, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. I was noticing too, looking at the Blu-ray when we were watching it. Um, the detail's so good on the Blu-ray, and you miss some of that when you're on TV or watching your computer. It. It's so like it looks like a painting, like everything looks like a watercolor, like a living watercolor. And it looks like it's just pulled straight out of Ralph McQuarrie's Mm. paintings. It's so cool. 
Um, so I love that. Um, one of the other things I think is interesting. So Ezra says his name is Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you this. Okay. Okay. So Jabba the Hutt, obviously mm-hmm. a notorious gangster. Mm-hmm. So he's famous enough that a Lothrat that has never been off world knows who he is, but not famous enough that an Imperial agent knows who he is, especially a security agent who's supposed to be dealing with crime. I don't think. So like, why wouldn't you just be like, your name's not Jabba the Hutt or is he just playing along? Cause he I think he's care? just playing along. Okay. Cause I think you're right. I think everyone knows him. He's famous. He's the Gaga of that world. Yeah. Jabba. Gaga. <laughs> Do you see it? Ooh, la. Jababa, 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 Baba, Jababa. So one of the things that Ezra says while he's being questioned is like, "They're not coming back for me. You must be bright as a binary droid." So I looked this up because it caught my attention. There's no information on what a binary droid is, other than they're notoriously dumb. Yeah. Based on this episode, like the Wikipedia. Ep- Thing says, based on the first episode of Star Wars Rebels, they're dumb. And Ezra Bridger says they're dumb. But I know that the language that R2-D2 speaks is binary. So is R2-D2 a binary droid? Or does he just speak a language called binary? Yeah, I think it's the the language is just binary, like ones and zeros. Okay. So this brings up a point. I have a long running theory. Mm Mm-hmm. That R2-D2 is actually dumb. I don't think he's the <laughs> hero that people think he is. If you go back through the series, name one thing that he does on purpose to save people. Shoots Luke's lightsaber out of his face when Luke is on the skiff. But that's not like that wasn't him. Like Luke just programmed him to be like, hey, be my lightsaber holder. And just when I tell you, shoot it up. Mm. Everything else he does on his own is like like making elevators go the wrong way or In like Phantom not. Menace. He like spills all that oil, then like ignites uh, yeah, it with true. his uh, with his. Yeah, but for the most part, he's like not stopping garbage compactors in the right time. Yeah. Like. In Clone War or in uh, Attack of the Clones, there before that droid factory, he like pushes our or C three PO. That just into proves the that thing. he's a jerk. Both all of these things. I just are think just, he's dumb and clumsy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's all just been happens. And happens people are stance. just giving him weight. Maybe the people are so ashamed to say they don't know what he's saying. <laughs> they're like. No, oh, I know what he's saying. He's super smart. I know. Like, oh, yeah, I know what he's saying, too. Yeah, he's super yeah. smart. He's a hero of the rebellion. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So they're in this cell. Um, Ezra's all PO'd. Mm-hmm. And he, the only thing he has left is this holocron. He calls it a piece of junk. He throws it across the room. And then he gets all sad and mopey. And then... Which, can I can I stop there and say that... It's a little tingly. Well... I thought it was really funny when he threw his that holocron mm-hmm. across the floor, and it's like this piece of junk, because it reminded me again of Aladdin. Yeah. Um, when Aladdin finds the lamp, and he's like, I thought I had the line here where he's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, oh, this worthless piece of junk, and he's like looking at the lamp. Yeah. And I was like, oh, another Aladdin parallel. Yeah, totally. Um, so. He's moping and it starts jiggling mm-hmm. and starts unlocking mm-hmm. and then a message comes out. Yes. And it is 
our good friend Obi Obi Wan. This is Master Obi Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen, with the dark shadow of the Empire rising to take their place. This message is a warning and a reminder for any surviving Jedi. Trust in the Force. Is that how we're going to say his name every time? Yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, and this is, it's interesting, and I wanted to st- uh, to like stop here for a second because um, this holocron, which we'll, we'll kind of jump into Kane deeper later, but um, appears in the comics, the Kanan comics, uh-huh. which are really freaking cool comics, by yeah, the way. Yeah, they're really good. Um, but a little background on this moment, that book I just read, Star Wars A New Dawn, that's all about Hera and Kanan and kind of how they come together. Um, there's a moment in the beginning where when Kanan is a Padawan, at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, he asks Obi-Wan Kenobi if these beacons that they use to communicate with other Jedi uh, that are used to summon Jedi back to the temple can also be used to warn Jedi not to come back. Hmm. And so Kanan is actually the one who gave Obi-Wan Kenobi the idea to use beacons in that way. So when you see this happen at the end of um, episode three, Revenge of the Sith, when Obi-Wan transmits that message, the idea to do that actually comes from Kanan. Hmm. And that is backed up in that book, Star Wars, A New Dawn. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that? Yeah. This is one thing I'm wondering. So the projection of Obi-Wan looks exactly like the, the hologram projections they use like on their regular computers. Is it just the same tech, but it's just protected by, like, Jedi power locks? Yeah, sure. I have no idea. Uh, it's just, like, weird. It's like, all right, I'm going to put this VHS tape <laughs> in a magic box. And then lock it. Yeah. With a kryptonite seal. Yeah, I was expecting just, like, something more mystical. like No, just a VHS tape. Yep. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, we're on the same page. Totally, totally, yeah. totally. All right. So so Ezra tricks the stormtroopers into coming in. He, like, fakes by, like, making some cough noises. He's like, oh, I'm, di- I'm dying. Yeah. And the stormtroopers, like, run He's in. He's like, wait till my uncle, the emperor, finds out or something like that. Yeah, and that didn't. I'm so glad that's not the thing that got them. They yeah, think yeah. he's, like, choking or something. So they run in yep. to get him. And he he's hiding behind under the stairs and, like, kind of slips out. Like, oh, yeah. tricked you. Boop. And, like, slides out the door. Yeah, so this is a weird thing. This is very, very nitpicky and small. But this is the first time in the entire Star Wars saga I noticed, like, the Stormtroopers standing there, and they had different knee pads. Yeah. Like, and I was like, that's weird. I wonder why they added this for the for Rebels. But then I went through the whole series, and that's how the Stormtroopers were. How did I not know what their knees looked like? I never knew that either until you pointed this out. Yeah, I feel like, I wonder if it's the Mandela effect. Have you ever heard of that? No. Yes. I mean, yes, I have. So explain it to the people. So here, let's do a test. Okay. So what's do you did you read a childhood book of a family of bears when you were a kid? Mm -hmm. What was that book called? Bernstein Bears. But it's not. It's called like the Bernstein Bears, not the Bernstein Bears. Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks it's the Bernstein Bears, but it's the Bernstein Bears. 
And so Weird. there's a conspiracy theory about like how our timeline got mixed with another timeline mm, where everyone remembers one it. thing and our timeline got mixed with another one. It's called the Mandela effect because a ton of people thought Nelson Mandela died in the 90s when he didn't actually die until the 2000s. So when he was released from prison, tons of people were surprised because they were like, wait, I thought he was dead. But maybe in our timeline, he died. But it got mixed with another timeline where he's alive. So maybe I'm the president somewhere else is what you're maybe, telling me? Maybe. So maybe Stormtrooper knees <laughs> were matching when we were kids in our timeline. But we're now in a new timeline where they have mismatched knee pads. Interesting. You know, I really like to make us think on this podcast. Yeah, think about nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Also, the, d- the Death Star was an inside job. <laughs> Steel doesn't melt like that. Bush did the Death Star. Bush did the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get yeah. back on All this. right, so Ezra picks up a cadet's helmet um, from the armory, and over the intercom, he hears Callus say that the real Wookiee prisoners, not the ones that were used to trick them, the real ones, are being transported to the Spice Mines of Kessel. Mm. And so you know I'm kind of obsessed with trying to figure out what Stormtrooper helmets these are. <laughs> yeah. And I thought this, this is was the cadet one. one, but it's so similar. But there's like slight, slight changes in the markings underneath the eyes and the eye sizes. Like the the eyes are just a little bit bigger on the death on this Star Destroyer than on Lethal. So I don't know what freaking helmet this is, and it's driving me crazy. Yeah. Um, and again, it's a very weird looking helmet. Yeah. Um, so while using this, he's able to escape, right? Uh-huh. And the ghost returns just in time to pick up Ezra and... Which is a ballsy move, by the way. I know. They they don't have a clever plan. They're just just like, let's let's just land. Yeah, let's just... What could happen? And again, they emphasize that they use... They kind of... They like hid their approach, right? Yeah. Kind of underlining the name of the ship, the ghost. Um, Yeah, so they just arrive and just by happenstance, Ezra is there at the same time. So lucky for them, this plan, this non-plan worked out. Yep, and Ezra... Is still in his helmet. He's still in his helmet and Zeb punches him in the head. He's like, how do I know it's you? You're wearing a bucket. Like he has this same clothes. He's wearing like an orange jumpsuit. He doesn't look anything like a stormtrooper. I think he just wanted to punch Ezra. He just... Yeah, Zeb is not... I think he's just anger problems. He's (laughs) real mean. Yeah. Um, Yeah, punches him. Yeah. And... uh, So to get... Away, yeah, I love this to get away. Um, Sabine has, I guess, spray painted her awesome logo, her Phoenix, yeah, uh, logo onto the ground. And right as the ghost is taking off, stormtroopers are running up to stop them. And her, the stormtrooper kind of bends over and looks at the spray paint, yeah, Callus does. Oh, yeah, and goes and smells it. What's this? Realizes it's some kind of explosive just in time for the ghost to take off and for that spray paint to explode. Yeah, which is cool tech. I don't understand it at all. Like, I don't know how you're turn. And it's a big explosion. It's a huge explosion caused by spray paint. It reminds me of the gum thing in Mission Impossible. Do you remember that? Yeah. Where uh, Tom Cruise like folds the gum and then it can explode. (laughs) And I love that. And I always think about that line too. Mm -hmm. Red light. Uh, Green light! And then he throws it <laughs> onto the window and it yeah. like explodes. It's yeah. a great moment yeah, in film cool. history. Yep. So speaking of that, similar thing happens where they get 
the vacuum of space is exposed and people yeah. start getting sucked out. So keep this in mind. Like Callus is like hanging on my edge and he's like, yeah. close the blast doors or close the shield or whatever. And a stormtrooper hits a button and closes the shields and saves Callus's life. Mm. Keep that in mind for later on when Callus has another has an, has a <laughs> chance to repay a stormtrooper. <laughs> we'll see if he pays it forward. Yeah. All right. So we take off to Kessel to Spice Mine K76. So we're there. We're on the Spice Mines of Kessel. We'll talk a little bit more about the Spice Mines of Kessel, but there's some interesting stuff there. All right. I like that. Okay. Well, so this is where the Wookiees are, and um, they're going there to rescue them. And I really like this line they talk about where, you know, slaves on Kessel only last a few days, and they emphasize, but, you know, a Wookiee. Yeah. Or, no, slaves only, you know, last a few weeks, but a Wookiee who's born in the forest, Mm -hmm. you know. They, they're made to live in California. <laughs> they can't live in Arizona. They're going to die. Yeah. Everyone who goes from California <laughs> to Arizona dies. That's it's just science. Fact. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know this for a long time. I do now. Do you know what spice is? Well, so I thought, well, you tell me what you tell me. I thought it was like a spice. Like I thought it was just a valuable commodity. No, I... Because I am a Dune fan, mm-hmm. and I know that Lucas was heavily inspired by Dune. Yep, I kind of did that equation where Dune, the spices used all of the universe, and is like a sign of wealth. And in that book, the Duke uh, Atreides, he says that, uh, and I have this. He notes that every valuable commodity known to mankind all fades before this one spice called melange. Huh. And not without reason, the spice is often called the secret coinage. And so on the planet Dune, Arrakis, yep. they mostly, which is kind of where Tatooine mm-hmm. kind of comes from, they mine this spice called melange. And it's it's like, yeah. They just, it's just like a fancy spice. It's a fancy drug. Yeah. So that's high. the thing that's interesting. I didn't know this. Spice in Star Wars, too. It's a drug. Yep. That's what I figured. And so I don't know exactly why the Empire wants it. I'm assuming it's kind of like narcotics. Like you can probably make medicine out of it or painkillers for medicinal stuff. Do you think that's why Jabba like looked so doped up in Return of the Jedi? Like when he's sitting there like in their weird temple they took over. Yeah. They're totally all high on spice. Oh, yeah. It's definitely just a drug then. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, that's, what's kind of interesting about Kessel is there's like crime Lord syndicates working alongside the empire trying to mine this stuff. And it's super lucrative. Um, so from the book Thrawn, the new EU one, not the old Timothy Zahn ones, the new Timothy Zahn. There were old Thrawn books. Yeah. Oh, it's like the most famous. Oh, wow. We're going to have to unpack a lot of stuff when Thrawn comes in. He's like one of the most famous. Legends characters ever is a big deal when he was brought into Rebels. I did not know that. Ooh, I'm excited to start talking about this. Um, so from the new Thrawn books, this Thrawn says spice in any of its dozens of varieties was the plague on the galaxy, a horribly addicting drug, and its victims would lie, steal, assault, and murder for it. Yeah, it's basically melange from yeah. Dune. Interesting. Um, so we meet 
a couple <laughs> Wookiees. Wookiees. Again, I am not going to be good at pronouncing this. Wolfaro. Yeah. And his son, Kitwar. Yeah. So I, I want to know your opinion about this because to me, the Wookiees looked like it's, skinny, like they're emancipated. Emancipated, emaciated, <laughs> emaciated, <laughs> emaciated. Mm-hmm. So again, pronunciation not my strongest suit. They're emaciated, like they look really skinny, like they've already been slaves. And yeah, they're being that's what that looks like. Okay, I didn't know if it that looks was just like a this, this isn't their first spice mine they've been to as yeah. slaves. It's sad too. They, they do a good job. Like it would have been cooler if they made their hair like falling out in patches and yeah. like might be a little too depressing. It's like, like those, one Wookiee is carrying another dead one. Like, this is a like, good show. And like, yeah, you could totally see their ribs. It'd yeah. be so messed it's up. Like it'd those, be awesome. Those sad, <laughs> those sad commercials where it's like, look at all these abused dogs. And it's just like, they should make a Wookiee version of the boy in the striped pajamas. Huh? I don't know what that is. It's a Holocaust movie. <laughs> it would be so You're dark. dark. Dark yeah. mics out. <laughs> Um, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, so the older Wookiee, the main one, that's Wolfaro. Mm-hmm. He's classified as a silverback Wookiee. Yeah. Which it doesn't describe what this is, but I was noticing that he specifically has short legs. I thought that was a weird stylistic choice <laughs> for all the Wookiees, but I noticed that he specifically has very stubby, weird is it supposed to be like a reference to like a gorilla? I like guess a silverback? so. Yeah, because which is weird he, mixing. He doesn't really our reality and their reality. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know what that means, but he's a silverback Wookiee, and he has a son named Kitwar. Um, so we don't see him in Sith, but he did fight in the Battle of Kashyyyk. Um, so. That's like they referenced that earlier, like, oh, those fuzzy guys, they really saved our bacon back in the Clone Wars because yeah, they fought on the side of the rebellion. We get to see that in Revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so a little interesting nugget for that is the battle that was in uh, Revenge of the Sith was originally written for A New Hope, but then they didn't find a way to put that in. And so they moved it to Return of the Jedi. But then notoriously... Mm-hmm. They wanted to introduce new characters that are cute and cuddly. So yeah. that is what happened. That is where we got Ewoks from. Oh, Which I'm fine with. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually not anti-Ewok. Maybe it's our generation. Maybe it's because, like I said, Return of the Jedi was the first one I ever saw. It was my favorite movie for a really long time. I'm not anti-Ewok. I love those guys. I don't. I feel neutral about them. I just yeah. They're just there. They're just the part of the reality. I'm pro-Walk. Hmm. That's some cool slang. That, that is cool. I like that. Yeah. Okay, so there's a uh, battle outside the mines, right, going on? Yeah. Uh, Zeb's like, try not to get dead to Ezra. And it reminds <laughs> try me of, not to get dead. Which You're is a funny thing. It reminds me of Ezra, or Dr. Amazon's, you'll be dead! You'll be dead! <laughs> From A New Hope yeah. in the cantina. <laughs> I, I do love that. So yeah. the ghost crew, they're fighting to free the Wookiees, right? Yeah. Another uh, great sound is a stormtrooper gets shot right yeah. in the face, and he just goes, "Yow!" <laughs> yeah, it almost sounded like when R two D two when he gets yeah. like, yeah, he's like, "Yow!" Mm-hmm. Um, so the ghost, uh, the ghost rolls in. Yep. The battle begins. Yep. Um, stormtroopers apparently don't need to hide behind crates. The whole ghost crew is hiding behind things and shooting back, but like. It's like the stormtroopers just feel invincible. They're not having to hide behind anything and they're just shooting. Yeah, it's wild. Maybe um, it goes back. Like, I don't know. There's a there's an ongoing problem in this series. And I'll keep pointing it out. 
The Empire seems very undermanned for a giant galactic empire. They never have enough people. Maybe it's that. They never have enough people to guard anything. It's always like five guys (laughs) guarding this whole spice mine. Do you think they're relocating everyone to the Death Star at this point? Maybe. that's. I was trying to think if there's an in-universe reason, and I'm wondering if it's either just... The outer rim is so hard to control and yeah, it's so like spread bother? out that it's you could have millions and millions of people in your army, but you just can't station people. It's like, in what would you places. rather? What would you rather police San Francisco or Sacramento? Like San Francisco, of course. Yeah. Like, let's just I let mean, Sacramento turn into a hellhole. Like, yeah. I mean, it's already a hellhole, but I mean, let's just let it just yeah. get wiped it, off the face of the earth. It'll, it'll take care of itself. Yeah. Um, so... We'll notice that They're, they never have enough guys to guard anything. And then um, Kanan calls out, we're going to do a 22 pickup. Yeah, that's our plan. I can't maintain position. Go, lead the ties away and give yourself maneuvering room. I am not leaving you behind. No, you're not. We're running a 22 pickup. Seriously? You have a better option? Jump into the pit and get it over with. All right, I'll be back. Um, which is a weirdly referential of football, but not a football thing. Yeah. Right. Doesn't that sound like a football thing? Yeah, like a 22, it does. Let's do a, pull it, uh, a 22 pickup. Sounds like some sort of sports ball. <laughs> and, um, when he said that, so I had to, I wanted to look up what a 22 pickup exactly was. Uh-huh. And this is right off Wikipedia. A 22 pickup was a term used to describe a new, a maneuver in which an individual would hide within a cargo container, which would then be magnet magnetically picked up by a starship. Seems so, very specific. <laughs> so I guess this is a commonly used thing, a 22 pickup. Yeah, that's odd. Um, it doesn't seem that dangerous, too. They're all no. like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you're crazy enough to want to do a 22 pickup. But it's like seems like the safest option. I know it doesn't seem that bad at all. They give Chopper a lot of autonomy because he orders. He's like, Chopper, get back to the ship, man, the guns like Chopper can shoot guns like he, he, has, can, he has arms. He has those things that come out. And like, I just feel like it'd be against programming or I don't I mean, even if he has arms, he's short. Like, can he see over the dashboard to shoot people? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting that they let him vote. They let him shoot people. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what else do you really want? He's it's, basically it's just a like good a real time person. to be a droid. Yeah. It's a good time to be a droid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Kanan is about to pull his uh, his real big move, and uh, Ezra goes, care to let me in on your secret? Yep. And Kanan goes, I'm about to let everyone in on the secret. 22 pickup? Care to let me in on the secret? Kid, I'm about to let everyone in on the secret. feel about that line i'm about to let everyone in on the secret honestly like i i I love it really i I, like i don't know if that line specifically is cool but what happens next i thought was so cool i think it's really cool like goosebumps like and he's doing like it's so cheesy but in a cool way so he gets (laughs) up he's like i'm letting people in a secret and he's like slowly walking and he like puts away his gun and he kind of like just slowly dodges like blaster bolts it's so badass yeah i i think it's great um 
I think it's especially cool in the context of his story. Yeah. I think when, if you're watching this for the first time and like, this is all you've seen of Kanan is these two episodes. Yep. Um, it's not the craziest thing you've ever seen, but I really like it in the context of his story. And I think yeah. it's really cool. Um, so he does like, he kind of, he does his force walk out there. Super mm-hmm. slow, super confident John Wayne style. Yeah. And, uh, starts deflecting, Blaster shots. Yeah, he pulls out his lightsaber, which I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Functionally speaking, yep. other than it just being a cool mechanism that might sell toys, why does Kanan need to have his lightsaber in two parts that he puts together? Well, I think it was trying to show like that he's he hasn't used this in a long time, and he's like, but he does it like all like every time he puts it back on his belt, he takes it apart. Hmm. So it's like when it's not in use, it's two parts. But when it's in use, it's maybe it's like one when you part. When you used to park your car and you would take like the plate off your CD <laughs> player, and it's like, well, no one can use it without the plate, uh, without, the, without the face plate. Okay, so that's maybe what it is. Yeah, maybe it's like just against someone jacks his lightsaber. Yeah, oh, they're, they're, not gonna get, they're not gonna get anywhere without this kyber crystal. Oh man, now I can't play my Tragic Kingdom CD. <sighs> Okay, I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. Um, I also want to ask you, so is Kanan technically a Jedi? Um, no, he's a Pad... He stopped at Padwan's, yep. Padwan status. Yeah. Which... He um, never uh, passed the trials, right? Well, I'm going to stop you there. We're going to talk about that okay. later. Right. We're going to talk about that here in a couple minutes. But this is a cool line is, you know, everyone stops because they're all... It's like, oh, crap. Lightsaber, like, super dramatic. This is cool. And then Callus is like... Like, everyone focus your fire on the Jedi. The Jedi. Jedi. It's cool. It's cheesy, but I love it so much. No, I think it's great. Everyone calls him a Jedi. Oh, we'll get to it. I don't remember, but I was just wondering that because I don't know if he's got his credentials. No, you know, you see a guy wielding a lightsaber as a Jedi. Yep. Um, also, I, I like that. Uh, I like that Zeb, like, he has, like, this swear word, and yeah. he, he yells it when stuff's getting getting wild. It's carabast. Yeah. Like, and, like, that is apparently a Lasat yeah, cuss. Yeah, I looked for, like, a direct translation, but I can't find one. It reminds, um, it reminds me of Anakin's <laughs> Skywalker slams in The Phantom Menace. Like, I love saying, you yeah, scrawny dopot slamo. Yeah. I've been trying to bring back Wizard. That's so Wizard, Mike. No, no one's <laughs> joining in on that one. Scrooney Dopot slamo. Uh, so Carabas. Yeah. I don't know if Carabas is going to stick. It sounds a little too. Yeah, they did say it in Rogue One. Someone did. Like, I don't remember who, but like huh. someone was. Yeah, I think it was one of the pilots or something. It was like Carabas or something before oh, they died. That's cool. I might be rem- making that up, but I do remember it being in Rogue One, which is cool. Again, I like seeing Rebels brought into the great. Yeah. I hope that's true. The greater universe. All right. So Ezra runs after Kitwar, the little Ewok. He runs off. He runs away. He's scared. His dad got shot, so he can't go after him. Stormtrooper starts chasing him. Stormtrooper's chasing the little baby Wookiee, and Ezra goes after him. And when they finally meet up, Kitwar is at the end of this really long... Bridge. Uh, it's bridge. very Star Warsy. Yeah, like a bridge with no end. Yeah, you know, like a real prime Han Solo dying. Yeah, type good, bridge. Good, good place to die. It's yeah. a great place for death. Um, it's like Kitwar, then the stormtrooper in the middle, and then 
Ezra on the other side. And Ezra does like his first full-on crazy Jedi jump. Yep. And I paused it when he did this <laughs> jump because I was like, that is such a big jump. And so I like with my hand like <laughs> measured how big Ezra is. I was like, okay, Ezra is this big. He's maybe, oh like five, he's maybe like five feet, right? And so then I like measured out how far. I was like, I paused it. So at the zenith of the arc, I was like, okay. And I counted it and I was like, so he's 20 feet high. And the jump is roughly 40 feet long. That's amazing. So that's a huge freaking jump yeah. to take. Um, so, but he jumps over the stormtrooper, and like we said before, he shoots him with this slingshot that he has, and that knocks him off the like, bridge. Yeah, it knocks the stormtrooper off the bridge, yeah. like paralyzes him and knocks him out. Yep. Callus comes back and corners him, and then there's a daring rescue. Yes. Cannon comes up. He's standing on the top of the ghost, which they do a lot. And it's actually really cool. Like just seeing people standing on top of spaceships in the atmosphere. But it's like when it comes up, he's the first thing you see. Like he's floating up and then the ghost reveals itself. And it made me think of Back to the Future right away. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when Marty McFly like uh, like comes back up and like Doc opens a door and hits Biff in the face? Totally. I was like, that was such a Back to the Future Uh, move. Yeah. And so he bl- he deflects Callus's blaster bolt and hits him and knocks Callus off the bridge too. So this is where we're gonna do a little callback. Remember, Callus was hanging for his dear life, and he tells a stormtrooper to be like, "Close the door." Then the stormtrooper hits the button and saves Callus's life. I'd like to think that this is the same stormtrooper. <laughs> There's a stormtrooper hanging for his life so underneath Callus, and it, just some friendly banter. They're they're hanging on by a thread until they die. But he's like, you know what? I'm gonna be a little positive, Pete here. He's like, first Jedi ever seen, sir? And then Callus kicks him in the face. Straight up kicks him in the face. And murders this dude. First Jedi you've ever seen, sir? It was brutal. I know. It was really funny, too. It's crazy. Too. <laughs> it was really funny. But it's crazy when you think of it in that context. In my mind, it was like one less stormtrooper. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's like, you know what? This is a great opportunity for me to network, try to really sell myself to the upper <laughs> hey, brass, maybe get a promotion and be like, hey, sir, how's the weather out there? Bap, dead. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was really mean. It really sold me on how brutal this guy is. I know. Um, uh, so we're back on the ghost and we see uh, another word I'm not going to be good at pronouncing. Ozatuk yeah. anti-slaver gunship. That's what I would guess. Sure. It's a Wookiee. Ship, Wookie transport. Yeah, and it says the interiors were made from yeah. Worsher trees, which is a Kashyyyk tree um, with sap from the trees holding everything together with glue. So I'm assuming there's metal on the outside, but other than that, the ship is made out of wood and glue. Yeah, I read. I'm reading. I read this comic series called Saga, and uh, their ship is like a huge tree. And it's, it's like, really we cool. get it. You're from the forest. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really cool in that comic. And it, when you wrote this in here, that that's what this was made of. Yeah. I don't know. I really liked it. I think that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Uh, I don't really have a strong opinion. It's kind of interesting. Like, I do like that. It's a little different. I think it would be kind of weird if like all their houses were tree houses and they lived like in the forest, but then they had like these super fancy spaceships. I, don't know, I think it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but Pablo Hidalgo, um, who's part of the Lucasfilm story group. Yeah. Like the man. Yeah. Um, he wrote a book called Star Wars Rebels Head to Head, where 
basically was like who would win in a fight, which is a <laughs> sick idea. And so he placed one of the Ozatuk anti-slaver gunships against um, one of the cruisers we saw before, the Gazanti class oh, yeah. cruisers. And that was Ozatuk, the Wookiee anti-slaver gunship, damaged the freighter and escaped. Wow. So that's who would win in a fight. Um, just a little trivia. So in an early draft of A New Hope, we went to Kashyyyk. Like yep. I said, there was the Battle of Kashyyyk. And Ozatuk was the name of Chewbacca's father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not itchy. Nope. It's not not itchy. Um, Holiday special is not canon. Actually, funny you'd bring that up. Ooh. I want it to be canon actually, from the depths of my heart. I'm actually going to address that in a later section. Okay. I really That is also what I call a, a tease. So the Ozatuk anti-slaver gunship, it detaches from the ghost and jostles thing, and Ezra uses that cover to steal Kanan's lightsaber from his belt. Um, so we're going back to Lothal. They arrive and they drop Ezra off, and you yeah. know, like Kanan's like, all right, you got something of mine, and he gives the holocron back. It's mm-hmm. been opened. Uh, Harris says he passed the test. Yep. So we go back to the tower. Ezra's hanging out. So we just confirmed that Kanan yeah. allowed him to yep. steal that holocron. Yep. Yep. Um, so we're back at the tower, and he senses that someone's there, and he says without looking, What is the Force? What is the Force, Dad? <laughs> What's the Force? The Force is everywhere. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. And it's strong with you, Ezra. Otherwise, you'd never have been able to open the holocron. And Caden's there, and he tells him it binds everything together. It flows and yeah. it penetrates us. <laughs> straight, straight out of Yoda, Yoda or Obi-Wan's yeah. playbook. Yeah, this has nothing to do with anything, but I noticed there are really distinct posters on the yeah. wall in Ezra's thing, and they have no significance. But here's a little tale, just a warning for all you kiddos. If you're searching for something like Ezra's bedroom <laughs> on Google Images, oh, make God. sure you have safe search on, because there is some interesting fan fiction that pops up when you search any of these characters. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing, nothing about the posters, just a That's little weird. word of warning. And I'm really interested in your next note here. Yeah. So he's like, oh, okay, I understand what the force is. And then he turns around and Kanan's just gone. He just Batman disappears. Yeah. Like straight up like Commissioner Gordon, yeah. just like Batman disappears. I, I, and I always <laughs> wonder when that happens in shows, like, was the character able to coolly slide out? Or did they know, like, this is my chance to make it look like I disappeared and they have to just like... Like just run so fast and kind of <laughs> yeah. frantically, and it's actually not as cool as the other person imagines it is. Yeah. I imagine them like quickly, like just ducking out of the way and then hiding in a corner, and be like, "Oh my god, I bet that looks so cool! Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god!" I hope you didn't see it. Because <laughs> I would pull that all the time if yeah. I could. Um. So Kanan returns to the ghost and he watches the full message from Obi Wan. Yeah, Kenobi. And, it's, and it's the voice from the Clone Wars, James Arnold Taylor. Yep, who he's awesome. That yeah. guy is like a dedicated Star Wars like member. James Arnold Taylor is. Yep. Um, he's freaking cool. Super cool. Um, there's a kind of little like introspective, like pan to see what all the characters are doing. I noticed Sabine sitting at a hollow chest table, which I'm just wondering at this point, like, is that <laughs> just standard in all freighters? It's like buy a freighter, you get a free hollow chest I table. Think so. 
I think so. Okay. I think so. I love those last scenes where it's like, you know, Kanan talking and like these shots of all the uh, the ghost members. And I thought it was really like kind of artistic and yeah. really cool ending. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah, it's really cool. And then so Ezra Batman appears behind <laughs> Kanan. Yep. He's doing a real cool guy pose, just standing there like a cool guy. And he returns the lightsaber. You know, and Ezra, or this is what I'm wondering from you. Like, Kanan says when he's up in the tower, like, you can either keep the lightsaber or let it waste away as one of your trinkets, or you can come and learn the ways of the Force with me. Do you think that Kanan was actually going to let him keep the lightsaber if he was like, nope, I'm out? Um, I don't know. It could be interesting because I wonder if that was like a turning point for him where he's like, okay, I just Jedi'd. If this dude is my apprentice, this is my path now. I'm just a Jedi again. I think but, he knows he's going to say yes. But if he says no, I'm just going to let him keep the lightsaber and I'm just once and for all done with this life. Yeah. So I that, think that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And Kanan seems he's a troubled character anyways. Yeah. And so I think he'd be okay with letting go of something like that. I think yeah. he feels like he has to anyways. Yeah. So, so the, I think part of Ezra's apprenticeship, him becoming his Padawan in a sense as like helping Kane and move on and as well. Yeah. I think it's so cool. Mm-hmm. So the family's together. Yeah. And now we Ending end the episode, which I'm on record saying, I wish that this was the first appearance yes. of the inquisitor. I think it's so cool that it, it is, ends on this. It can be yours in your head. Canon. Yep. This can be the first time you see the inquisitor, yep. but callous yep. contacts this mysterious person. Yeah. And he says, I found a rebel cell led by someone who made a good use of a lightsaber. And then it pans around and you see this creepy inquisitor. Yeah. And he's like, cool. Yeah. Cool, dude. Excuse the intrusion, inquisitor. But in the course of my duties, I have encountered a rebel cell. The leader of that cell made good use of a lightsaber. Ah, Agent Callus. You did well to call. He looks cool. The Inquisitor looks cool. And he's voiced by none other than Jason Isaacs, a.k.a. Lucius Malfoy from the Harry Potter movies. I love him. Movies. Yeah. His voice is cool. Yep. Totally a great uh, voice actor for this role. I think it's bad. Cool. Yep. Cool. So that's the end of the first the, episode. So that's the end of part two. Yeah. Spark of the Rebellion. So what did you think of the, about this episode? Part one and part two all together. All together? Um, well, I know we haven't really come up with a scale system, but my scale system in my head is like the worst thing in Star Wars is the <laughs> best thing, in, in my opinion. Uh-huh. And I know this is a subjective scale, so I want to know what yours is. But my subjective scale okay. is on a scale of C-3PO was created by Anakin Skywalker to... Which is the worst crap ever. Uh-huh. To Luke gazing into the twin sunset on Tatooine as John Ooh. Williams' binary sunset theme plays. Ooh, it's just like, like the most magical moment in all of Star Wars to me. So how I would rate this episode on that scale? Um, I'll call it like... I'll call it like a... Um, like a speeder bike chase in Endor. 
Okay. Which is what roughly translates to like a B plus. All right. Cool. 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 I like that. Um, so you're putting me on the spot. I didn't have time to think about this, but right. My gut feeling, I would say worst crap, worst bottom thing is Jar Jar Binks getting farted on by an EOP <laughs> and be like, P Yusa. <laughs> okay. Um, and then best is, uh, this is hard. I'd say, okay. I'm saying best is the shot in Jedi where, Luke dark sides out and he's like fighting Darth Vader and, the, and it's all like just a silhouette with the lightsabers flying. No, very filming. Empire. Oh yeah. I love that shot. Okay. So what do you put this episode? As? Oh, I'm putting it as the lightsaber fight. A I thought this was an A plus. I loved yeah. this episode. I think it set the tone. There's a little bit of cheesiness, but nothing yeah. that offended me. Yeah. Like they took such care. Oh, I, I really love this. episode. All right. It really caught me. Well, um, if you're on social media, you should send us your scale. Yeah. I want to see what other people's scales are that we can use. That's dope. All right. Well, should we move on? Yep. All right, Peter, it's time for another character portrait. Yay. This week, we are featuring Kanan Jura or Kanan Jarrus yep. or Kanan Jurus or Kanan Jarrus. All right. So Kanan was born Caleb Doom. Mm. We'll get into that later. He's a force sensitive human. He loves to doubt himself and he rocks a killer goatee. This may be proof that he loves the Dave Matthews band is a novice hacky sack player. Owns three or more pairs of cargo shorts, minor in Afro studies, dabbles in drum circles, and orders sangrias no matter the weather or reason. I think you have a similar goatee thing going on, too. That's, I don't have a goatee. <laughs> but he rocks a goatee. And none of that's true. Yeah. Um, Caleb Doom, D-U-M-E, um, was born 33 years before the Battle of Yavin. Um, so around the time this is happening, he is about, what, 30? Oh, he's like 28. Oh, he seems older than that. But he's about 28. Huh, interesting. When, uh, I thought he was older, too. When this is happening. Um, during the last years of the Galactic Republic, uh, because he went straight from his home world to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, where he would be raised as a Jedi, he never knew his parents. We also don't know where exactly he's from, but there is considerable fan speculation that he may be from Lothal. Hmm. Um, why this is significant? He may have huh. some connection to Ezra. I don't know. That's just fan th theory and speculation. We don't know who his parents are. We don't know where he's from. Interesting. So fans have kind of gone crazy. I don't know that I'm crazy about he's from Lothal. I don't think that's consequential at all. Like, yeah, like maybe that means he's connected to Ezra, but I'd be know, very like, Star Warsy. But I also kind of hate that because it's kind of like how they think Ray needs to be someone's yeah, daughter like, yeah. because Luke was someone's exactly. son. Like, it could just happen once. And yeah, it could be fine. Exactly. So I'm okay with not knowing Caleb's, you know, background. Um, he was chained at the Jedi Council on Coruscant. Here are some cool interactions he had as a initiate. Initiate is what you are before you're a pad one. And as a Padawan, as a youngling, he met Jedi Master Illuminari, Illuminari Unduli once. Mm. He remembered her as brave, compassionate, and disciplined. He often heard Grand Master Yoda say, 
do or do not, there is no try that, mm. you know, ref- refrains. So that's where he recognizes that from. Uh, you know, I recognize that too. That doesn't make me special. Um, <laughs> he also did some saber training with Ahsoka Tanu. That's awesome. Yep. He also attended a class by Madame Jacosta New on how Padwans are chosen by Jedi Knights. Is that the librarian? Yes, that oh is. Oh, my that's, gosh. This is Jedi such a librarian. Cool, such a cool character. So he went to some classes by her. Not, All right. Um, in another occasion, he attended a lecture by Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Jedi Temple's Central Security Station where he learned about the Jedi recall signal, like we talked about earlier, which during he inadvertently gave Kenobi the idea to use the beacon to warn Jedis away. So that comes from Caleb. Huh. Um uh, one day uh, away from the initiate trial. So before he was a Padawan, he had to go through the initiate trial. So he's pretty young. And he was practicing with some buddies, uh, Azuma and Quid. And Yoda was watching him practice. And he, like, trips and he hits his head. And so Yoda says, you know, go to the medical bay. So he goes to the infirmary. He's healed. No big deal. As he's leaving, he sees Master Depa Balaba recovering in a Bacta tank. And he feels this, like, weird connection with her. He likes, and this is all happening in those comics, by the way, which yeah. are freaking awesome comics. And he feels his connection with her. And in that moment, she, she wakes up and she sees Ooh. him. And so, um, eventually this leads to her taking him on not, well, more stuff does, but she takes him on as a Padawan. So he moves from the initiate trials into a Padawan status and Balaba, um, instructs him in the ways of the Jedi. I'm not going to talk too much more about this. Just read the comics. They're amazing. Uh, but Kanan, uh, eventually he, or Caleb, he's, he enters into the Clone Wars with Balaba mm-hmm. and this happens in the comics. And then order 66 happens. Balaba dies protecting Caleb. Caleb's able to run away and then kind of moves into a life, uh, goes into a life hiding on the planet Cobbler, where he meets the smuggler, uh, Janus Casimir, Janus Casimir, and he's this Calorin. Cal- he's the native of Collar, and he's yeah. like. It's a cool. It's a cool character design. It's it a, is. It's it's a species it we've never weird. seen in any movies. No, and it only appears in this comic. And at first, when I thought I was reading it, he was a Lasat, Lasat, because oh. he looks kind of like Zeb, but then he also looks like a Togruta, which is what Shakti and Ahsoka are. Yeah, but he's really more reptilian. And the most, the best line from the Wikipedia entry about these is they have no apparent need for footwear. <laughs> so, anyways, this guy, Casimir, trains him to hacky become. Sacker. <laughs> oh, hacky sacker. Casimir <laughs> trains him to become a, a smuggler, a thief, uh, takes him, a, you know, teaches him how to be a pilot, basically to live a life as not a Jedi. Huh. So, Cannon's in hiding. Um, really quick, New Dawn, the book that highlights. Kanan's and Hera's relationship or not the relationship but how they came together um, it's like there's this intersection where Kanan after getting caught up with the rebellious group that has Hera involved in it Kanan helps her prevent Count Vidian from destroying Cinda this planet in the inner room and then during the con- the conflict um, Kanan makes the decision to stay with Syndulla with Hera Syndulla on the ghost because he reveals to her that he's a Jedi because in this moment where she almost falls off a bridge, um, uh. Kanan like saves her. And later on, according to Wikipedia, he develops a romantic relationship with Sindula, but it's still, I'm still not convinced of it. Hmm. Um, have you been watching the new season? Um, so 
I'm intentionally not watching season four. Okay. We'll get we'll get to that in season four. I'm intentionally not watching season four because I I want it to um, when it's released as a, a whole, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Um I just not it's like one of those things where I'm not ready for it to be over. Uh. It's like I've seen every episode of Battlestar Galactica. And you <laughs> I hate, don't get this. You this hate drives me, for me this. freaking I, nuts. <laughs> I've seen every episode of Battlestar Galactica, but the final episode. Oh my gosh. We used to watch this show together. We watched every single episode, and then he wouldn't watch the end with me. <laughs> um, some behind-the-scenes stuff about him real quick. According to Star Wars blogger uh, James Byrne, the name Kanan was based on a road in Malibu, California. Um, also, Canaan had different meanings in different cultures. Uh, the word, it can mean friend, forest, or guide. In Arabic, the word Canaan means trader or merchant. Um, this is, there may be some suggestions, the biblical reference of the biblical, biblical land of Canaan. Um, and then final note here, um, of course, Canaan is voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to ask you right now to end this character portrait, What's your favorite Freddy PJ movie? Can't hardly wait. Really? Yeah. You mean she's all that? No, you're using can't hardly wait, right? Yes. Um, mine, it's a tie. Between the appearance where he's the male nanny in Friends, <laughs> or I still know what you did last summer. Uh, that's a good one. No, I know what you did. I still know. So that is, uh, that's Kanan. Are you looking up right now that he's in Can't Hardly Wait? I know. I'm really nervous about it. Because I'm like, part of me is like, is he in oh Can't Hardly Wait? Oh, my gosh. Nope, not in it. <laughs> he's not in Can't Hardly Wait. That's why I was oh like, I mean, she's all that. Because she's all that, Can't Hardly Wait, 10 Things I Hate About You all kind of blur together for me sometimes. Yeah. So Let's see. So what's your, I don't like she's all that very much. So what's your other Freddy, favorite Freddie PJ movie? Um, I'm going to say Scooby-Doo. Great. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening to my character portrait. Thank you, Mike. Now, you ready to get a little deep? Always. It's deep dive time. So I prepared a little thing where we talk about Kessel and slavery, greater slavery within the empire. So as we mentioned before, this is the first canonical appearance of Kessel. It was mentioned in a new hope by C3PO. He's like, Oh, they're going to send us a spice man to Kessel spot on C3PO impression. Um, <laughs> and then also Han Solo mentioned doing the Kessel run famously, um, but it's never been seen. So you were saying it looks a little nicer than you thought. Mm-hmm. So it's split up in hemispheres. It's ruled by a royal family. And actually the southern hemisphere is like really temperate and lush and like mm. beautiful, evidently. And that's where the royal family lives. And then the northern hemisphere, hemisphere is like harsh and where all the mines are. And basically this royal family just kind of like turns a blind eye to what's going on because it's making them super rich. This is so Dune. Uh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I haven't read Dune yet, but yeah. So the majority of spice mining, which we said before is a hardcore drug is done by slave labor, like basically all of it. Um, and Kessel's mines are exceptionally harsh. So back the, back in the galactic Republic days, it was outlawed, but because the outer rim is so far out and, hard to 
police, it still went on. Famously, Anakin was a slave on Tatooine, and they even put a device in him that would explode if he tried to escape. (laughs) That's the best part of the movie. Yeah. Um, So after the Galactic Republic is gone and the Age of Empire comes around, slavery becomes more institutionally common. So it's they don't care. They actually are they actually partake in the slavery. Um, So particularly among alien species. So we talked about this before, but the Empire is general think that aliens are inferior to the human-dominated Galactic Empire. So they enslave aliens, especially Wookiees, who were actually classified as non-sentient. So they were just basically... They didn't believe that Wookiees had a soul or anything like that. Um, So they invaded Kashyyyk and enslaved everyone. Um... So there's a book called the Aftermath Trilogy. Um, It's whatever. whatever. But one of the interesting things which I think you'll like is it deals a lot with the New Republic. This is after the Empire's gone. They're trying to form a new government. This is before Force Awakens, but after Jedi. And there's the New Republic, and they're on a quest to pay reparations to the species that were enslaved by the Empire. Mm -hmm. And as part of that, they launch a big battle to liberate the Wookiees on Kashyyyk. So this is a quote from the <laughs> book where they're just like, I have, we have so many slaves. Like, what are we even going to do with it? So there's a command, an Imperial officer that says, we have a surplus of slave labor, but what to do with it? Could the Wookiees be farmed for their meat? <laughs> Presently, it's stringy and tough, but maybe they could be fattened up or modified in some way. Crossbred with another species, perhaps. <laughs> so they had so many Wookiee slaves, they were thinking about eating them. <laughs> I imagine they taste like venison. Yeah. I don't think they'd be very good. Um, but here's a fun fact that you are going to love. So in Aftermath Empire's End, which I think is the third book. Yeah. Han and Chewbacca storm the slave camps on Kashyyyk after winning the battle. They're kind of doing the sweep to just free everyone. Mm -hmm. And they end up freeing Chewbacca's son, Lump Awaro, who was first featured in the holiday special, which means Lumpy. They call him Waru in this because they, I guess they want to differentiate it, I guess. But Lumpy is officially canon. Not only do that, not only that, but they mention Chewbacca's wife, Mala. She's not in the book, but she's mentioned by Han Solo, who was created for the holiday special. So the message, Mala, the message. I think that means the holiday special is canon. Holy crap. Life Day exists. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to insert celebration music right now. Life Day is real. Yeah. So uh, even during the New Republic's ban on slavery, um, some of the shadier places in the universe still practice the trade. So, for example, in the Poe Dameron comic, mm-hmm. there's a First Order Security Bureau agent named Tyrex, and he has tons of slaves. But I thought this was interesting, and I kept it in here because, notably, Captain Phasma disapproves of ownership of slaves mm-hmm. yep. because she thinks the First Order is purer and stronger than the Empire. Yeah, and I just read her book, and it totally coincides with her beliefs. Oh, yeah. So I think that's that's kind of interesting. I love that. Yeah. Well, thanks. 
Uh, well, thanks for listening. Uh, we're a new podcast, so please tell your friends to leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast aggregator. Connect with us on social media by searching Rebels Rebels Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Shoot any questions to Rebels Rebels Pod. We're on Twitter, too. That's what I said. It's said Twitter. If you like dad jokes, I connect said, with I, us on Twitter. I said it, man. Um, yeah. And uh, until next time, be brave out there. Don't look back. Don't look back. Bye, everyone. Bye.